Many of you are aware we are celebrating the birth centenary year of Swami Chinyananji. And inspired by the knowledge of Vedant, which he learned from his Guru Swami Kapoji Maharaj and Mother Ganga, Swamiji came down from the Himalayas and started the movement from Pune. And his first talk which he gave was in Pune in the Rastapet temple. And he began the talk saying, a Hindu temple as the venue, a Hindu Swami to talk, audience is Hindus, and the topic is, let us be Hindus. And throughout his life, as Rajivji mentioned, he was an ambassador of Hindu culture and he, in his own inimitable style, he would say that my mission is not only to reach Vedanta to the masses and empower the lives of people with maximum happiness, but it is also to convert Hindus to Hinduism. You see, the need of the hour, which was then, has in some ways got fulfilled, but in some ways got intensified also. But today there is much more need to convert Hindus to Hinduism. And the awareness is very less about the essence of Hinduism. The fringe elements of Hinduism are a lot which are uh, getting overhyped up. And to understand Hinduism in its essence, Sanskrit is a very, very important uh, necessity, I would say. We depend a lot on translations, and I am just going to give you two examples of how translations have actually destroyed our pride of Hindus in Hindu culture and created so many rifts also in our country. Like we did our uh, play in our Chinma Yoga Kendra, we did a play called Adrishya, and it was based on the Saraswati River. And the book also has a lot uh, which mentions about this aspect. So, just that one simple word in our culture which is Aryan. In Sanskrit, Aryan means a gentleman. Arya is a gentleman. And our country was also called Aryavarta many times. It's a country of gentlemen, people. So, the translation of that when it is done, as a race of people who have come from you know, Central Asia and then they brought the knowledge to this country and then they have written the Vedas and the image that intellectuals also have is that this knowledge is written by barbarians who are nomadic people, tribal type of people who have come from the other places. So what respect will they have even for the culture and the, what is written in the Veda and these thousands of years old what is written there. So the whole misinterpretation I am just giving you one example. Like that there have been so many examples of how the words have been misinterpreted and a whole Aryan invasion theory is created and the Aryan and Dravidian uh, divide is there and Hindus are made to feel low about their culture that it is not their native intelligence. Even if there are gems which are there in the Vedic culture, it has come from outside. Second example is a simple word which we use all the time which is Itihasa. So there is a classification of knowledge in our country, in our as the Vedic uh, knowledge has been beautifully divided, classified from ancient times, and there's different categories of books. 
Itihasa is the epics. Puranas are the 18 Puranas. Then you have Veda, Vedanga, Smritis, and so many other Granthas we have. But the translation of that word Itihasa is mythology. Exactly. How is the translation being done? Translation is mythology. So we learn from childhood that Ramayana Mahabharata are mythology. Mythology means what? It never happened. It's just a myth. And it's a collection of myths. So it's a mythology. And even today so many doubts are raised or not that Ramayana did it even happen, Mahabharata did it even happen. They may be having a lot of poetry, symbolism, various other forms of literature, but does not deny that those things did not happen. But the translation when it is done with that malicious intention, literally the word itihasa means itihasa, it has happened. So now the point here is, the title of the book is the battle for Sanskrit. And it is a battle because there are many vested interests inside the country, outside the country, doing so many things. But I, instead of going into those aspects, uh, as far as I am concerned, what the book has done is a lot to make us aware, but I feel as a solution oriented uh, suggestion is that instead of blaming anybody out there, if we have to learn our own scriptures, if we go into the depth of our own scriptures, we learn the language of Sanskrit, we promote it and we understand Sanskrit so that we learn our scriptures directly and propagate that, it will be a very very important contribution to keep the culture of ours alive. And please remember, why should this culture be alive? Our topic today is Sanskrit and Sanskriti. Why should this culture be alive? Today it is first and foremost the oldest living civilization. The Saraswati Hindu civilization is the oldest living civilization. That's not the only reason it has to be alive. The inherent beauty of this culture is such that it is a universal, all-accommodative culture. Even a simple fact of Namaste when we say, it is such a deep meaning that I salute the divinity in you. There is a divinity in you, there is a divinity in me and I salute the divinity in you. Irrespective of caste, gender, G, I mean, caste, community, creed, gender, any of that. A universal culture and a spiritual culture at that. You know, thousands of years it takes to build a spiritual culture. It is not easy to go against the senses and the mind which are generally extolled. Thousands of years it takes to build a culture and the great masters have done that to lift the person's view of life from a materialistic, extroverted, enjoyment-oriented uh, view to a spiritual view. It has taken thousands of years. And not only it has taken thousands of years to build that culture, it has sustained that. That's the beauty. In spite of so much of attack, even at the physical level, so many attempts to destroy, the culture is still, still living and surviving. A vital throbbing culture, not like Greek or Roman or Mesopotamian or Egyptian culture, which is right now only in museums. It is a living, vital, throbbing culture. So it is a very important aspect that our culture must survive. And if we understand this fact that this is a culture if this survives, freedom survives in this world. If this culture goes out, 
freedom to practice culture goes out from this world. Then we have to understand that very, very clearly and deeply. Whatever be our idea of secularism, the true secular culture is the Hindu culture. Very beautifully it says that just like all the rivers reach the ocean, everybody who follows whichever path, Sarva Deva Namaskara Keshavam Gatigachati, any path you follow, you will reach that same goal. This is the culture which gives the freedom. You can be an atheist, a non-believer and you can still be a Hindu. From a non-believer till the formless worshipper, all types of devotees, non-believers, seekers, everybody is accommodated. That's the accommodativeness of this culture. And so in, when we say freedom of thinking, freedom of speech, freedom of practicing what is my culture, our children must have, the next generation must have that culture, that freedom. So it is very necessary that Sanskrit and Sanskriti both are very deeply rooted, connected and this must be preserved. Apathy of one generation. See, it takes thousands of years to build a culture. But apathy of one generation is enough to destroy. One generation says, I don't care about this. It is over. So I want to end with just these four important words. One is aware. Second is care. Third is dare. Fourth is share. That I must be aware of the beauty of my culture, the glory of my culture. And to know that I must not only learn Sanskrit, I must also go into the essence of this culture which is the Vedanta. Then the misinterpretations which are there also will not be there and the rigidity which is there, that also will not be there because rigidity is not a part of Hindu culture. Adaptability is a part of Hindu culture. It has survived for so long because of adaptability. It has adapted itself to times again and again and even today continues to adapt. <clears throat> so awareness has to get created. So the beauty of this book is that it will make us even aware that what are the issues actually. How the western influences uh, slowly but silently having a degrading effect on our own thinking, our own culture and we learn to scoff at our own culture and think we are great intellectuals and take great pride in that. Second, uh, so second word is, so first word is the aware, that we need to create awareness within ourselves. <clears throat> second is when I am aware, then only I will care for it. Through the language of Sanskrit and through the understanding of my Sanskriti, Swami Chinmayanji used to say that without culture, man is a culture. How will we even live the higher way of life? If today there is so much problems in the society, one of the reasons is because more and more the culture is becoming individual oriented, selfish type of a self-centered culture. Here is a culture which says, serve everybody in the spirit of yajna. In the happiness of everyone is your happiness. Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina is that culture of ours. So if I have that understanding through awareness, then I care for this culture. And I will do what it requires. So the third word is dare. I will dare to stand up for my culture. Unfortunately, today, how many people even stand up for the culture? They will take a very diplomatic stand saying, you know, no, I am secular. I will not talk about this. This has nothing to do with me. Where is that courage to say, this is the culture which has survived in this country. And I have lived, my parents, grandparents, they have lived this beautiful culture and we have grown up in this culture, why should this get extinct? 
I need to dare to stand up. For that, I have to educate myself, understand. And then comes the fourth aspect, which is to share. Each one in their own way can share the knowledge of the culture, the beauty of the culture, why do we do certain things in our culture. Make people aware that culture is under attack. We talk about lion getting extinct, I mean tiger getting extinct, rhino getting extinct, so many things are getting extinct. But nobody is bothered about culture getting extinct. The whole culture will get wiped out in another 30-40 years maybe. If we don't do enough for it, we don't know in what kind of a country our children will live. And we will be responsible for it, nobody else. Hence the very title, Battle for Sanskrit, is actually a battle. We are Hindus still sleeping, not even aware that what kind of a war is already happening. In our own lives we are too busy. So the more we read some of these things, more we become aware and then each one of us is free to decide in which way we want to stand up for our culture, in which capacity we can contribute and share. Even somebody who teaches Sanskrit or joins a Sanskrit class, there are so many forums. Chinmay Mission is envisioning a Chinmay Vishwavidya Peet and very soon that will start a Chinmay University, which will be offering courses in Indology <coughs> and make them aware of get Indian scholars to talk to our countrymen about our culture and do it in a way in which people are able to understand the glory and the essence. So, Chinmay Vishwavidya Peet in the centenary year is going to get launched and the courses will start. We already are doing in our own ways. Online Sanskrit courses are there, our centers we do and many other organizations who are doing such good work to promote and propagate Sanskrit. We must start doing. Nowadays you will see, you know, lots of WhatsApp messages come when Modi ji goes somewhere and then these children are chanting, Vedic chanting and somewhere else he goes, some other children are chanting and then they send those messages. Look, look, look how people in the other countries they are chanting. We need to create that in our place here. A function can start with a Vedic chanting, universal prayer. You will see lighting of a lamp in many places. That fortunately still has survived. Prayer has been thrown out many places and Sanskrit prayer too has gone. But lighting of lamp. But we need to reintroduce. So my point is that in those small, small ways, when we start, we become proud and practicing and I'm sure the book here that Rajiv ji has written will throw a lot of light, create so much more awareness and the knowledge that he is sharing. I have read many of his books earlier also. The Breaking India and Being Different. <clears throat> Indra's Net, I am yet to read and I will definitely go through that. So, the, some of these books, they are eye-opening and they definitely create uh, awareness and give us a right understanding. And so I would suggest we all must and make more and more people aware of what are the issues and let each one take their own stand. So I wish Rajiji and the book all success and may more and more of us be proud and practicing Hindus and great human beings. Thank you.